Shabbat Shalom and greetings to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. We are in the midst of the Omer count and we are counting from barley to wheat to transform ourselves from that carnal nature to that supernatural one new man. And what better Torah portion to do it than Metzorah, leper, leper. We are in, of course, the book of Leviticus, Vaikra, and we are in chapter 14, and we begin in verse 1. I love this Torah portion. This is, like I said last week, the Torah portion, a double portion some years with um, Metzorah and Tazria. But this week we are looking at Metzorah, leper specifically. Greet one another in the chat, won't you? Give us some thumbs up. And please, can you subscribe to the ministry channel? Because it really does help. Get the word out there. Invite your friends. Get a Shabbat group going together, and if you are isolated and quarantined, then go to TorahToTheTribes.com forward slash connect, and you can connect on all of the groups that we have, of course, specifically the Shabbat group. Many of you are congregating there each and every Sabbath, and that's our largest platform where so many people are connecting the world over, and I'm so blessed that we can host and have people a part of that. So open up your scriptures. We're in Vaikra, Leviticus chapter 14. Now, of course, here we are dealing with the Torah instructions of Metzorah, the Hebrew word for leper. What is this about? Well, literally, yes, the healing of the leper. It is one of the most intricate, intricate processes laid out through scripture. But the sages have always said, the prophets have always wondered, why so much detail on the healing of the incurables? They can't be healed. They're lepers. We're not talking Hansen's disease here. We're talking Metzorah. And history tells us that before Yahusha, that the lepers were, of course, outside the camp and that they were the incurables. So why so much detail on their healing? Because something is being spoken of here of which was to come. It's the sign of Mashiach, the sign of Messiah, because the one that would perform this ceremony would be the one to come. The one that Israel had always expense, uh, expected, the redemption of Israel has drawn nigh. Because really, the instructions in the Torah of Metzorah teach us what? John chapter 3. They teach us how sinners need to be born again. Brit Milah. Halev, circumcision of the heart. We are born the walking dead, are we not? Isn't that what it says in the Psalms? We are born the walking dead. And unless we go through this ceremony at some point in our life, we are dead men walking. This ceremony has to be performed in our life, otherwise we go to the grave as we came into the world, dead men, the living dead. This portion teaches us how sinners need to be transformed from the death state 
to the life state. Metzora, death, quarantine, isolation, castaways from who? From our creator, the source of very life. And when we were younger, before we came into the newborn state, how many of us felt that? Even as a young boy growing up in England, there was one time when I was about six that my mother had the whole village looking for me. And I still remember this. And I had spent the afternoon sitting on a bench in the middle of this glade, just looking up to the heavens and wondering about God and wondering about Jesus. I remember it specifically. And they had the whole village looking for me. And I'd been sitting there for hours in the middle of a glade. And that's what I was pondering. Why? Because even then I knew I couldn't formulate it, but I was quarantined. I was isolated from the source of my very existence. I was a Metzora. Well, you were just a sweet little six-year-old boy. No, I was the living dead. Because unlike the Dalai Lama, the Bible teaches us that we are born in sin. And then we come and learn good behaviors after repentance. But you can just look at a two-year-old and the terrible twos, and you go, yes, the sin nature is there. You don't have to teach it. It is innate. We are born in quarantine. We are born isolated. We were banished from the presence of Yahuwah in the beginning. We were banished from the tabernacle in the beginning. Why? Because our earthly mother and father, Adam and Eve, were lepers. Not literally, but figuratively, because leprosy is the origin of all disease, which is sin. Adam and Eve it began with them, death and quarantine, Metzorah, first started with our Adam and Eve parents. They died on the day that they contracted leprosy, did they not? On the very day that they contracted leprosy, they died. They were transgressed. That day, they were lepers. They were Metzorah. And just like the Metzorah was banished from the presence, the midst of the tabernacle, so were Adam and Eve banished from the midst of the tabernacle where Yahweh tabernacled with man, with them. They were put out of the garden from the very presence of Yahweh. So the connection, brethren, between a Metzorah, a leper, and the dead, who bury the dead is quite remarkable, which is why Yahusha hearkened back when he met with Nicodemus and he said, how could you be a teacher of the law and you do not know that you're the walking dead? The ceremony has been in place since the days of Moshe Rabbeinu and you as a teacher of Israel do not know these things? We're all, you're all the walking dead. Let the, bed, the dead bury the dead, Matthew 8, verse 22. The unsaved are the dead. They are the Metzorah. They are the leper. You can grow out your hair. You can try and cover yourself with clothes. You can try and hide it, but you're still a leper. And Yahweh deals with that if you start to hide that. You can go into the house and hide in the house, and then he'll come and deal with the house too and tear it down. So you can't hide. You can try. 
And most people spend their religious life covering up the reality that unless we have the transformation process of John 3, we are in quarantine and we're dead men walking. Think about the Pharisees. The Pharisees have clothed themselves with garments of righteousness, but were they still the walking dead? Were they still the Metzorah? And did Yahushua address that specifically? Yes, the Pharisees were likened unto what? Whitewashed tombs. Their whitewashed exterior speaks to the white color of the leper. The inner state of being was full of dead men's bones, as Yahushua said, which spoke to the dead state of the Metzorah. So death, to life, the Metzorah, ultimately is resurrection. Look at the text. Now we go into the Torot of the leper. And Yahweh spoke unto Moshe, saying, This shall be the Torot of the leper in the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought unto the priest, and the priest shall go forth out of the camp, and the priest shall look, and behold, if the plague of leprosy be healed in the leper, then the priest shall command to take to him that to be cleansed, two birds, alive and clean, and cedarwood and scarlet and hyssop. And the priest shall command that the one of the birds be killed in an earthen vessel over running water. And what does the scripture say that we are? We are likened unto men in earthen vessels. And as for the living bird, he shall take it and the cedar wood and the scarlet and the hyssop and shall dip them in the living bird. Here are all of the elements that are attributed to the one that would come and perform this ceremony. All of the elements are here. And verse 7, And he shall sprinkle upon him that was to be cleansed from the leprosy seven times. That's full completion. That is in Yahweh's hand, seven. And he shall pronounce him clean, tahor. And he shall let the living bird loose into the open plain, into the world, if you will. And he that is to be cleansed shall wash his clothes and shave off all of his hair and shall wash himself with water that he may be clean. And after that he shall come into the camp and shall tarry abroad about time his tent seven days. And it shall be on the seventh day that he shall shave off all of his hair off of his head and his beard and his eyebrows. Even all his hair he shall shave off and he shall wash his clothes and all shall wash his flesh with water, and he shall be clean. And on the eighth day, then when, then he shall take to himself two lambs, he lambs without blemish, and one ewe lamb of the first year without blemish, and three-tenth deals of the flour for a meat offering mingled with oil, and one log of oil. And the priest that maketh him clean shall present the man that is made clean and those things before Yahuwah at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Verse 12. And the priest shall take one he lamb and offer him for a trespass offering and the log of oil and wave them for a wave offering before Yahuwah. And he shall slay the lamb in the place where he shall kill the sin offering and the burnt offering in the holy place. 
As for the sin offering is the priest's, so is the trespass offering. It is most kadosh, holy. And the priest shall take some of the blood of the trespass offering. The priest shall put it upon the tip of the right ear of him that is to be cleansed, and upon the thumb of his right hand, upon the great toe of his right foot. And the priest shall take some of the log of oil and pour it into the palm of his own left hand. And the priest shall dip his right finger in the oil that is before his left hand, and shall sprinkle the oil with his finger seven times before Yahuwah. And the rest of the oil that is in his hand shall the priest put upon the tip of his right ear upon that which is to be cleansed, and upon the thumb of his right hand, and upon the great toe of his right foot, and upon the blood of the trespass offering. Verse 18, And the remnant of the oil is in the priest's hand. He shall pour upon the head of him to be cleansed, and the priest shall make an atonement for him before Yahuwah. And the priest shall offer the sin offering and make an atonement for him to be cleansed for his uncleanness. And afterward, he shall kill the burnt offering. And the priest shall offer the burnt offering and the meat offering upon the altar. And the priest shall make an atonement for him. He shall be tahor, clean, astounding. And if he be poor and cannot get so much, then he shall take one lamp for a trespass offering to be waved to make an atonement for him, and one-tenth deal of fine flour mingled with oil for a meat offering and a log of oil, and two turtle doves and two young pigeons, so that he be able to get the one shall be a sin offering and the other a burnt offering. And he shall bring them on the eighth day for his cleansing unto the priest, unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before Yahuwah. And the priest shall take the lamb of the trespass offering and the log of oil, and the priest shall wave them for a wave offering before Yahuwah. Do you think when Yahusha healed the leper and he commanded them to go before the Kohen, before the priest, do you think the priest just knew it down pat what to do? No, he most probably had to go back all the way to this Torah portion. He had to rewind the scroll, if you will, to follow the instructions explicitly because it had never been done so in Israel before. This is the sign that Messiah had came. And remember when Yochanan, John the Immerser, was starting to have doubtful Thomas moments and wondering, well, I wonder, is he really the Messiah? What was the testimony that Yahushua said to give to John? Tell him that the dead are being raised and that the lepers are healed. He's good to go. There has been a transference of priesthood and order, and now the priest of the order of Melchizedek is healing the leper. And that was enough for John. He could have peace and finish with a good report. Isn't that amazing? Verse 25, And he shall kill the lamb of the trespass offering, and the priest shall take of the blood of the trespass offering, and put it in the tip of the right ear of him to be cleansed. And upon the thumb of the right hand, and upon the great toe of his right foot, and the priest shall pour of the oil into the palm of his own left hand. And the priest shall sprinkle with his right finger some of the oil that is left 
in his left hand seven times before Yahuwah. And the priest shall put the oil that is in his hand upon the tip of his right ear of him to be cleansed, and upon the thumb of his right hand, and upon the great toe of his right foot, upon the place of the blood of the trespass offering. Verse 29. And the rest of the oil that is in the priest's hand he shall put upon the head of him that is to be cleansed, to make an atonement for him before Yahuwah. And he shall offer the one of the turtle doves or of the young pigeons such as he can get, even such as he is able to get, and the one for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering, and with a meat offering. And the priest shall make an atonement for him that is to be cleansed before Yahuwah. This is the Torot of him who has the plague of Metzorah, whose hand is not able to get that which pertaineth to his cleansing. Can your hand get your own cleansing? Can your hand get your own cleansing? According to the Torah of Metzorah, no, it can't. You need a priest to perform the ceremony on you, and it is only by a Kohen can this happen. The sign has always been there in the Torah. Which is why Yahushua said, I show you the sign, and the sign is of who? What was the sign? The sign of Jonah. Well, Messianic Jonah was actually encircled with a crown of weeds, thorns, and after three days. Because the healing of the leper has always had the sign of three. What do I mean? Think about this. The healing of the leper, the sign of three. The sign is three. Resurrection is three. The healing of the leper is three. The first living things ever that came from the void, a metaphor for no life, was on what day of the creation? The green things, everything green, everything living came upon the third day, meaning from the void of nothingness comes life after three days. Life from a state of no life. Well, there's more. Resurrection has always been about the third day. What's the third holy day that we celebrate? We just celebrated it. The third holy day, of course, is the Omer wave offering that brings forth the resurrection, the first fruits from the dead, of course, is the third holy day. You see it then. Jonah, like I said, for three days, and he was encircled with a crown of thorns or weeds, if you will, and he brought forth on the third day. Isaac, of course, Yahweh prevented Abraham from actually sacrificing Isaac, on the third day. Or did he? Because the Torah and the writer of the book of Hebrews, they hint that Isaac actually did die. And he was resurrected. That's why in Hebrews chapter 11, in verse 17 through 19, it records that Abraham, quote, received Isaac from the dead, though resurrect through resurrection figuratively. Let me rephrase that. Abraham received Isaac from the dead through resurrection figuratively. That's what it says, depending on your translation, in he So did he die? He was resurrected. There is 
again here the third day. Well, let's think about Joseph. Joseph was sent, Joseph was sent down into prison. And Joseph is a metaphor for Moshiach ben Yosef. And in that time of affliction, of deep trouble and affliction, which is akin to Yahusha's time of deep trouble of affliction when he was upon the tree, what do we see with the similarity? That was a good rhyme, wasn't it? But think about this. There were two prisoners. There were two prisoners with both. One prisoner within three days was resurrected, resurrected back to life with Yahusha. One prisoner was resurrected to this day, but it really wouldn't be completed because it had to be sealed by the resurrection which would come in three. Yahusha said to one prisoner, which is really parallelism with the cup bearer, you shall be restored to life. In my father's kingdom, there are many mansions. I go ahead of you, and in three days, it will be ready for you. But today, I go to prepare it. So, with both Joseph and Mashiach ban Yosef, they're both surrounded by two prisoners. One prisoner, within three days, his leprosy is sealed and killed. One prisoner next to Yahusha mocks and his death is sealed and killed. He, the walking dead, goes to the grave as the walking dead. But the other is redeemed within three days, just as the cupbearer was redeemed in three days. Meaning it was always there. It was always there in Scripture. One would secure life. The other prisoner would secure death. Joseph assured life to one cupbearer, Joseph assured death to another cupbearer, and it all took place within three days. As, of course, with Yahusha ben Yosef on the tree with the two criminals, one who would secure life and one who would secure death, and it would be completed fully after three days. Does that make sense? So these were the signs that Yahusha always spoke of. Think about Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe was supposed to die. That was the edict, but he was hidden for how long? Three months. Death to life, the living, walking dead to life. It's always been there. Now let's look at the ritual that we just read. But the ritual of cleansing, firstly, I spoke about it last week, metaphorically speaks of the two houses of Israel as the two birds. You have the house of Judah and the house of Ephraim. One representative for the house of Judah, being the king of the Jews, would be slain in the earthen vessel, would be slain, and then that body that took upon death, would then be attributed to the living bird representing Ephraim and all the elements would be sprinkled upon that living bird and that living bird would be cleansed by the waters that gushed out of the side, the sprinkling of the water and released into the open field which is a metaphor for the exile or the world. Did Ephraim go out into papal Rome and the world and carry the banner of the dead bird that rose to life that gave life there's a lot there to think about it's all right there at least in my mind let me break it down to you the ritual of cleansing the two birds represent the two houses of israel ephraim and judah the first bird from judah is slain 
Yahusha as king, representative of the first bird. The other bird, Ephraim, is spared and covered, atoned, in the blood of the one sacrificed. All of the elements are present, the wood, the scarlet, the hyssop. The second bird, Ephraim, then is released out into the free, open field, the world, the exile, but he is covered by the blood of the sacrifice. Whew, that's some good stuff right there. Now, it's interesting, though, because in the Hebrew language, the, 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 the phrase, which is translated as running water, it really should be translated as ma'im ha'im, living water. And what did Yahushua say? I am the living water, and any man that cometh to me shall receive the healing from being a dead man walking. He's telling you, I'm the Kohen Haggadal who can perform the ceremony of healing the leper. But you have to acknowledge that you all have leprosy. Otherwise, you are dead men walking, just like these Pharisees. You're cleaning the outside of the cup, but inside you're a leper. You're full of dead men's bones. The blood and water were sprinkled on the Metzora, the leper, to purifying him, thus giving him life. Well, if it is blood and water that the scripture records that flowed from Yahushua's side, then is that not what purifies us and gives us life according to the ritual? That's what has to happen. Now think about the first lepers going back to our earthly father, Adam and Eve. If you will, the first isolated and quarantined were, of course, Adam and Eve. Were they not? Just as Adam's wife Eve received life because the rib was taken out of Adam's side, so too, as the bride of Yahusha, we receive life from the blood and water that flowed from his side. It's all here in the ritual. Each believer is born again based upon the sprinkling of the blood and the water that flowed from his side, just as the Metzorah, the leper, was given reborn status through the sprinkling of the blood and water ceremony of purification. As a teacher of Israel, how do you not know this, Nick, at night? Right? Makes sense. John chapter 3, verse 3. Well, let's think about sin and death. Because this week I have been pondering sin and death. I've been pondering my sinful state. I've been pondering my dear friend that just passed away. Alone in a van, all by himself, isolated. I've been pondering these things. So bear with me while I unburden myself. Sin and death, sin and death. Tameh, the Hebrew word for unclean. Tahor, the one who is cleansed to be clean. So one becomes tamay or ritually impure by sinning, disobeying the commandments, because you come into contact with death. 
And there's an energy with that too, a loss of energy, which is why bodily fluids are to be re remain inside the body. And that is akin to the, 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 the next chapter. It talks about, you know, in Hebrews, the marriage bed is undefiled. In regards to, how can the marriage bed be undefiled? Well, because you're Hebrew and you would be following the laws of Nidar, so you would be keeping your marriage bed in order according to Leviticus chapter 15. There's some things you do and some things that you don't do. And also, I mean, it's, it's just common sense. I mean, you just talk to any mixed martial artist or any boxer, and they'll tell you, but before they go for a big fight, they're not going to go and be and have intimate relationships with their wife. Why not? Because the fluid is the elixir of life which brings forth energy and vitality and a release of that is a release of power and energy because it is death unless it is to bring forth life. So there's only one place that it belongs and its purpose is to bring forth life. Otherwise, it is a release of energy and the energy field goes down and there is death that is associated with it. We live in a perverted world with a bunch of soy boys running around all over the place. Why? Because they're drinking way too many soy lattes and they are releasing the elixir of life in perversion. But really, you're supposed to keep that to up your strength, power and energy. And then when it's to be released, it's for life. Even if your wife is past the time of childbearing, it's still life when it is done in accordance with the marriage bed is undefiled because it's a holy sanctification of marriage and life. What am I saying? I'm kind of self-confessing here. My life before I came to Yahushua was one of what? Of being constantly in a state of uncleanness through perversion, through the lusts of the flesh, through the weakness of the flesh, through going to places, and you can get defiled by three things, people, clothing, and buildings. Going into the wrong building, shouldn't have gone in there. I feel totally defiled. Should know better. Okay? All those clubs. Then, wearing the clothing that I was wearing defiled. I wasn't wearing women's clothing. Thank goodness I never got into that. But you know, I had some friends who did. And then being associated with other people that were defiled and you become contaminated too. Because why? The energy stream is down low, is it not? Or you can surround yourself with people that are sanctified, holy, and in prayer and worship, and the energy stream goes up because it's all about life. This is what we want to talk about today. Because when one is tamay, unclean, they cannot come into the presence of Yahuwah. You create distance. You create isolation. And you create loneliness. I remember, I won't get into descriptions because my children are here, but I remember being a young man and going out one night and going a, being out for the whole night and then coming back on a Sunday morning and I just being dropped off and then just being like, ah, oh, just, just knowing the feeling of being defiled because of the things I did, the company I, 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 I was uh, surrounded myself, the buildings that I had been in and the clothes that I was wearing. 
It was so bad one time, the clothes I was wearing, that I came through immigration and a little beagle came up to me and started just barking. And I'm like, bloody dog, bloody dog following me around. Guy says, excuse me, sir, you're going to have to come over here. So, whoa, whoa, whoa. He smells drugs on you. Like, what? Well, I hadn't changed my clothes from the reggae club in Brixton that I'd been in the night before, right? And I'd come over to America, and I, I'm, I, that's why. People building and clothes. You've got to be careful because you'll be defiled. And then they'll set a beagle on you. Watch out for the rubber gloves. Tazarat. Leprosy. It is an affliction visited upon a person by Yahuwah from birth. That is the difference between the biblical faith and all of these Hindu religions and Buddhist religions. We are born lepers. We're not born perfect and then we learn to sin. We are born the walking dead because Adam and Eve were lepers. And they were our best representatives and they were isolated in quarantine. And we are born, Psalm 51 verse 5, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Reality check. Reality check. Psalm 51 verse 2. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me of my sin. I have to acknowledge I'm a leper and I have to go to the only one in the whole recorded history with eyewitnesses. There's only one that could heal lepers again and again and again. And those lepers would go to the priest for a validation that they were truly healed. There's nobody else in the history of the world but one who could perform that. And his name is Yehusha, Hanatzareth, the man from Nazareth. Born a Metzorah, a leper, we are all essentially the walking dead until we come to John chapter 3. And the ritual of the cleansing of the leper which is this week's Torah portion, always prefigured that. And that's why Yahushua said to Nicodemus, how can you teach this Torah portion and teach the cycle every year in the synagogues and you do not know this? This shouldn't be some... He should have gone, oh my goodness, of course. Metzorah, Metzorah, born a leper. Look no further than the Metzorah if you want to see what death is like being totally cut off from the presence of Yahuwah, being totally cut off from fellowship, being totally cut off from human relationships. And it's sad that this world is embracing that kind of lifestyle and pushing it because ultimately it is a worldly way of, of never acknowledging that you're a leper, but just covering yourself up and hiding it. But you'll end up alone, isolated, with no hope. But we have the blessed hope. According to the Torah, the primary work of the Mashiach would be to bring life where there is death. 
because he is the one that resurrects the Metzorah. Now, during purification, the Metzorah, who is a picture of death, is essentially reborn through the ritual, aren't they? That's a resurrection, isn't it? So the Metzorah, the leper who was dead, was reborn through the purification process which involved the birds. This is a picture of the work of Yahusha who takes us from death to life through the rebirth experience of John chapter 3. Now, in Scripture, of course, sleep is a euphemism for death, right? Eve was given life when Adam slept. How? By the breaking out of the rib. We, as the bride of Mashiach, like Eve, will be given life, eternal life, by being born again through the death of Messiah. And even if we die once cleansed, we will be risen to eternal life because of the outpouring through his side of the blood and water, which brought forth the whole process of the healing of the walking dead. So death, death, where is thy sting? I am not a leper. I am cleansed. I am cleansed. So therefore, I don't need to hide my face and cover my lip. We're approaching the heart of the book, really, aren't we? Where we're called to look inward, to give an account for our lives. We reflect, well, we should, I have been, on what has happened to us and how we got where we are and how Yahuwah always planned for us to be transformed and he determined the very moment that we would be cleansed and he knew that. There's an old saying, the main descendants of the righteous are their good deeds. And every good deed is really like a child. The single most important lesson of this whole central theme of the Torah portion, Metzorah, is that it's never too late to change. It's never too late to start again. It's never too late to live differently from the way that I used to live before, in the past, when I was the living dead. Because Yahusha has fulfilled the parallel portion. And that's why he met Nick at night to explain this. And we see it totally in Hebrews chapter 9, specifically. Yahuwah forgives our sin because of this process that has been borne about through the high priest that went through the procedure as the first bird, the representative of the house of Judah, the king of the Jews. We live with uncertainty, especially today in very, very uncertain times that are out of our control. That's the human condition. And it always will be. But what matters will be under our control, and that is how we react. Will we behave honorably? Will we behave graciously? Will we behave generously? Those things we can control. Will we help others? Will we forgive others? 
Will we make sacrifices for the sake of our ideals? Or are we going to be so stuck on being right and our ideals that we're not willing to lay down those ideals? I've seen too many Bible people and Torah teachers that are so stuck on their ideals that they're willing to lay down relationships, they're willing to lay down righteousness, they're because they won't lay down their ideals. I lay down my ideals. I do. It's not worth it. Will we live for something larger than the self? Will we honor and accept the chaos that attempts to stir up a storm, an argument in our life? If we do, it will be calm and it will be washed away if we can accept it. In Psalm 119, it is written, Blessed are the undefiled, the cleansed lepers. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the Torah of Yahuwah. They're the ones that acknowledge that they were lepers. They came to the priest, the high priest, after the order of Melchizedek, and now they're undefiled in the way. We are called to accept and return honor and live differently. Many are called, but few are chosen. This week's Torah Pasha is the litmus test. It is the litmus test. It's a call to holy living, and few will choose it. And most will excuse it, and then wonder why they are isolated, lonely, unhappy, and unfulfilled. But we have chosen a different path. As believers, life is about self-surrender. Oh, I want to just surrender myself to Yahuwah's will. How do I access purity in my life? How can I separate and make myself distinct from the world? Actions befitting a nation of priests. Be holy for I am holy and be a living sacrifice. This is the call of Metzorah. A gift to Yahuwah has to be a sacrifice. And we gift our leprous state to him so that he can cleanse us. And then we are to be a living sacrifice and live a life of value thereafter the cleansing. If these law, that's the one that returns and says, thank you to Yahusha. If you love me, then return to me by keeping my commandments and you'll live in an undefiled state. If these laws ceased after Yahushua's death, which many churchmen says that they did, then why, why were they so keen on the strict observance of Yahushua having an undefiled tomb? Because these laws were never done away with. They were just transformed into the higher realm. Because we know that all leprous diseases start in the soul. They start in the spirit. They start in the heart of man. And like I said, there's three things that defile you. Buildings, people, and clothes. Watch the buildings you enter into. Watch the people that you associate with. And watch the clothes that you wear. And be very, I wouldn't go to, I know some, some people would and might not like me, but I wouldn't be going to those places where you dig in and get all kinds of people's clothes. Because you don't know where those clothes came from and what they did with those clothes. I'm just saying, what are those, goodwill and whatnot. 
I don't know. I mean, I understand people have dif dif are in different economic states and maybe can't afford it. Well, then uh, maybe I'd go and go to a church or go and see a, a friend or something. I would just wonder. Maybe I'm getting a bit paranoid, but I would just wonder. You know? Wonder where those shoes have walked. Just things to think about. Clothing and skin, they fall under the same Torah laws. Leprosy, and the Hebrew word for leprosy is associated with lashon hara, evil speech, evil speech of the tongue. It's leprous. What happened to Miriam? Evil speech of the tongue, and she became leprous. One who spreads slander, one who spreads a false report, a false witness. They're leprous. But that's on them. We just accept whatever they're saying and return it, and it's on them. We've already cleansed. It doesn't affect us. I've learned that so much in the past three years. It's been absolutely liberating in my life. I wouldn't wish it upon anybody, but I'm so glad that I went through it because I realized that it doesn't matter what people say of you or accuse you of. That's just leprosy. It's leprosy. We live in a world full of unhealed lepers. But I've been cleansed. If somebody wants to be a Miriam, well then, that's on them, but they need to go to a Haran. But the Haran order has now been transferred, so there's only one that can heal that kind of slander, that kind of tongue, that kind of false report. Leprosy, sin, Lashon Hara, it doesn't get better. Unchecked, it gets worse. It's progressive. When a person is malfunctioning spiritually, his body will be affected. And people don't realize that. That's why you end up with some people that are old and bitter, full of hate, full of unforgiveness, miserable creatures. Because when a person is malfunctioning spiritually, it will affect the body. That's what this week's Torah portion. And it will affect the building, the household. And it will affect how they present themselves, the garments that they wear. All of this in the Torah is to encourage repentance before the soul is negatively affected. But if people don't repent then their soul will be scarred up and negatively effective. Leprosy usually begins by questioning a person's character, questioning a person's walk. Then it escalates from there on out. And it doesn't matter what people accuse you of. Do you know what my answer is? Could you put that in writing for me? And I will honor it. Once you present it to, well, you did this and you said that. Would you be able to put that in writing for me, please? And I will honor it once it's presented to me. End of, I'm free. Now they have the burden of leprosy. Put it in writing. You are a green alien and you said this, that. Thank you. Would you please put that in writing and send it to me? And I will honor it immediately. And the burden has shifted. I'm free to go about my life and build and create and be successful, regardless 
of what lepers decide to do in their lives. Because it's always going to be about firstly questioning a person's character or walk, and then it will escalate from there on out. Leprosy, it begins with a small bump in the skin that may then affect the beard, and then it may affect the hair, and then the garments, and then ultimately it starts growing up on the wall. Leprosy intensifies if one refuses to repent. Does sin intensify? James says that it will lead to death. And it will. It will lead to death. A bump in the skin, though. Oh, well, I've got a little bit of a leprous bump. In I'm going to hide it with my clothes. Right? Oh, I think I'll grow my beard. Cover it up. Oh, I've got leprosy. Oh, I'll grow my hair. So what does Yahweh do? He said, okay, well, you're going to try and cover up that sin? Well, now it's going to come on your clothes. Oh, now you're going to try and hide yourselves and sort of cloister yourself away from people so they come. It's going to come on the house. We're going to tear the house down. We're going to strip the clothes off. We're going to shave the beard. There is no hiding from Yahuwah. You're a living dead. It will all come out. It will all come out. Leprosy always intensifies when you refuse to repent. A bump in the skin can be hidden by a beard or one's hair. So what does Yahweh do? He afflicts the hair. One can then cover up the baldness up with a garment. So Yahweh then afflicts the garment. And then one can go and run away and secrete themselves in their home to hide them. But Yahweh will then affect the house, causing it to be torn down, exposed, and in plain sight. There is no hiding from leprosy. You either accept it and be cleansed and live, or you continue to get worse. Leprosy is the means by which Yahweh exposes the soul. Leprosy is the means by which Yahuwah exposes the darkest secrets of man's heart and his soul. And like I said, in life, you have no control if you bump into a holy person. And you have no control if you bump into a wicked devil. And sometimes bad things happen to good people. And you will bump into a leprous slanderer. And then guess what you're going to have to do? You are going to have to speak to that chaos. And by speaking to that chaos and walking on water, you can calm any storm. But you can't run from it. You can't attack it. You can't fight it. You can't argue it because then you've jumped into the chaos and it will increase because chaos is always looking to increase. But what you do is you stand and you speak order into the chaos and the chaos subsides and it departs. It takes time sometimes, but you continue to stand and speak order into the chaos and the chaos begins to dissipate, settle, and then disappear.
Because that's what happens when you are a cleansed leper. There is no chaos when we're in the order of Malkitzedek. Even though we have no control on whether we bump into wicked or holy people, sometimes we're going to have to deal with chaos. It's what we do when the chaos comes. Will we jump into the chaos by fighting it, by arguing it? Or will we accept the chaos and speak order to the chaos? And when we do that, we stand and we see that the water, we've walked on water. We've walked on water by doing that. It's amazing stuff. It truly is. Think about the leper in quarantine. He was quarantined to prevent contamination. And there are leprous people out there, but first of all, we're to go, we're, we, we try and deal with the person and we try to de-escalate it. Go first to your brother, face to face. And if then they don't repent, then take two witnesses. And if it doesn't get the desired response, bring them before the congregation and finally quarantine them away from the body and hand them over to Satan for a time where we hope that they will repent. But if not, their leprosy will get worse. I saw a leper recently. I looked on that leper and all I had was pity and sorrow because I could see the leprosy. I wasn't angry. I didn't have any fluttering heart. I saw and I felt pity because I could see the leprous state and the opportunities that were gone and the life that was being eaten up and squandered. I had compassion and empathy for the leper. I'm speaking a metaphorical leper. But that just shows what Yahweh has done in my heart because I was once angry, but I'm no longer angry. I once thought that I had to fight, but I have no fight. He's taken the fight out of me because I see this in this Torah portion. The Hebrew word for skin is our. It's spelt ayin vav resh. Now, you can break this down in the Hebrew and the ayin is, is like, pictographically, it's like an eye. And then there's the vav, which is the connection. And then there's the resh, which is the head. Meaning, the eye is connected to the head. What the eye sees, the head holds a picture of. Meaning, we have to renew our minds. We have to cleanse our minds from filthy, iniquitous thoughts about others. Because really, we're to have compassion upon the leper if we are Yahushua's pilgrims, are we not? So we don't have to hate those that hate us. And we don't have to war against those that would try and bring chaos to our shores. Because in Yahushua, we have learned to walk on water. And that is a powerful, powerful way to live in this life. And yes, there may be a swelling and there may be an uprising in the skin and white hair coming out of white flesh. Well, that brings uncleanliness because it's a picture of death feeding on death. And sometimes you look at people and you see, wow, that's death feeding on death. And they become emancipate, emaciated, not emancipated, <laughs> emaciated in their flesh and their spirit, 
flesh eating on flesh, death feeding on death, which devours the soul. But we have to ask these questions. Will we give hospitality to the lonely? Will we still give hospitality to the leper? Will we comfort the bereaved? Will we support those in need? That's what this section of scripture talks about. Because Yahushua did. He had a heart for the leprous. Will we give our family time? Will we give our soul the space to breathe? Will we love and thank Yahuwah for our cleansing? Will we enhance other people's lives? These are the questions that I've been pondering going through this text. Matthew, don't isolate yourselves. Because a man who isolates himself seeks his own. Don't become leprous. Don't fall for the woe is me. Oh, woe is me. I'm just, oh, woe is me. Because that will isolate me. Too many people are woe is me, feeling sorry for yourself. You can't feel sorry for yourself. Oh, well, this is such a bad thing I'm going through. Don't feel sorry for yourself. Just accept it. It's not what happens to us on which our happiness depends. It depends on how we will respond to what happens to us. Because we can find happiness whatever providence has, has in store for us in life. I find happiness, even right now in my life, as the chaos dissipates. I find happiness. Because you can transform suffering. When bad things happen to you, use them to sensitize you to the pain of others. The people who accept chaos and tragedy always become stronger as a result of it. I repeat that to you. I'm a living testimony. The people that accept chaos and tragedy always become stronger as a result of it. Always. And it will turn out to be the blessing in their life. And sometimes you'll bump into a leper. And when you accept that you bumped into a leper, and you see that there's chaos coming, and you accept the chaos, and you speak order to the chaos, then, when, then, what could have been your destruction will actually become part of the building block of your life to make you better. That you could never have gone through before. And I rejoice in Yahweh that I see that. My life is so much better for the chaos that has washed upon my shores, but it's only now because I have learnt to speak order to that chaos and it dissipates. But like a tide, it will wash again, and but dissipate. It'll wash again and dissipate. It's a tide. And occasionally you'll get a big wave of chaos. You'll get strenched. So what? You just speak order to it and it will retreat. How long does the tide take to turn? Well, that's not in your control. It's a process. You just walk through the process. Don't fall into the controversy. Well, who said this? Who did that? Instead, you accept it and ask, what does this allow me to do that I could not have done before? That's what I've done. What does this situation allow me to do 
that I could never have done before, oh my goodness, then opens up a whole new realm of living. Because if you don't curse the darkness, and I don't curse the chaos, instead what I do is I light a menorah in prayer and I become a light. I become a refuge to others who may be victims of chaos, who may be victims of chaotic, tragic circumstances. We can become instead agents of hope. Isn't that what we're supposed to be? Agents of hope in this world? There is a time and a season for everything, and nothing is forever in this world, not even leprosy. What we know we can lose, we must learn to cherish. What we know we can lose, that is what we must learn to cherish. This section, you can tell that I've been kind of tripping out on this a little bit, huh? Well, this section, this section of scripture should rouse the deepest questions about ourselves. Who are we? How shall I live? Will my life be even recorded in the book of life? And if so, what chapter will it be associated with? I think mine will be accepting the chaos. What words have I said? Oh, my goodness. What words have I said? Oh, words. What words have I said? What words have I left unsaid? Words, words, words. Yahweh forgives us. Let us forgive one another. Life is too short for anger and anguish. The most important legacy that we can leave behind is not money. It's not possessions, but it's our spiritual ideals passed down to the next generation. The best things any of us can give those we love is biblical values to live by, biblical ideals to aspire to, and a biblical tribal identity as Israel so that we know who the hell we are in Mystery Babylon's world out there. I want to know who I am. We are a religious, moral heritage that is to guide others and guide us through the wilderness of the nations. This is what this section of Scripture teaches me. It's a guide to the blind. It's a guide to the leprous. Because there's healing always when you come to the ceremony of John chapter 3. Leviticus Vaikra calls us to live by faith, day by day, act by act, word by word. We can live for the world and we will lose everything, even our soul. But this section of scripture calls to what matters. Genuine, ethically demanding, spiritually challenging values on holiness equity. We live, brethren, in a time of crisis, in close. There's crises here, there's crises there, there's crises bloody everywhere. The Hebrew word for crisis is mashbear, mashbear, which also means a birthing store. The crises and the chaos in my life is a birthing stool. It is an opportunity for me. 
It is an opportunity. In Hebrew, crises are not just opportunities. They are birthing pangs, something new. Yahweh is birthing in you to take you to a higher caliber spiritual vibrational level because to get there you have to burn up what hindered you and sometimes depending on the person you are he may have to bring or allow a real leper to bump into you in life that can bring some severe chaos into your life so that then you can accept it Begin to order your life, structure your whole being, and speak order to that chaos. And then let it dissipate. The tide go out and Yahuwah bring you to a realm that you never, ever, ever could have got by yourself. I speak the truth because I am living it. And I am so thankful. And if the old man had heard the words that I just said, he would have shot him. Because he was so angry and fighting. But I had not began my journey of calming the chaos then. This has been absolutely an amazing Torah portion, I think. Because in an age of unprecedented stress, and there is, we got all of, are we feeling the stress? A lot of people are feeling the stress. And we live in an age of unprecedented stress with unprecedented stress-related syndromes and depressive illnesses. The most important thing any of us can learn from the present crises in our life is think less about the price of things. With all this economic crisis, Think less about the price of things and think about the value of things, right? That's what we should be thinking about. Coming for cleansing from Yahusha, that is the antidote to all crises in your life. Because it's the moment of transformation when we stop merely existing and we begin to focus not on the price of things, but on the value of things. That's the key. He is the master of the Sabbath, and today is the Sabbath. Well, here we are today on Sabbath, and we're here. And we, we, we drove past Costco, and I, I, said, I said to my friends, I said, what the hell do they get about do not buy and sell on the Sabbath? What don't they get about that principle as it's full? But they're not resting, and they're not... Receiving the value of the day because they're so interested in the price of things, but they've lost the value to life of being with friends, community, prayer, petition, the scriptures, and ceasing from your toil and labor. We can't buy and sell today. We can't work and we can't pay others to work for us today. Instead, we spend the day with family, we spend the day with friends. Maybe you were on Shabbat fellowship this morning. What are we doing? We're renewing our connections with community. We're cleansing our minds and healing our bodies. 
That's value. You can't put a price upon that. To find Yahweh, we don't need to climb some mountains. We don't need to go visit some guru in India. We don't need to cross oceans or travel to a fabled land. Yahweh is the very breath that we breathe, the very acts that we do, the very prayers that we say, the very love that we give. Yahweh is closer to us than we are to ourselves. Because I can be quite distant to myself. Because that's selfishness, isn't it? Yahweh is closer to me than I am to myself. What a mind bomb that was this week for me. I was kind of tripping out on that one morning. So bear with me. I'm just kind of laying my burdens upon you. But I hope they're light and easy and that you can track through the scripture. Because we listen to Torah reminding ourselves of our people and our history. We pray. We give thanks for all the blessings Yahuwah has given us. Oh, I'm so thankful for family, for you, for my friends, for community. I'm so thankful to be a part of something, a part of a Hebrew culture, part of gathering the 12 tribes that are scattered abroad, part of our history. And I give thanks to Yahuwah for all of you that I get to meet. I give thanks for life. But these things have value. They have no price. And you're all valued beyond a price. And do you know why so many people are ill? Why so many people are leprous and depressed? Because a basic principle of time management is to learn to distinguish between the things that are important and the things that are urgent. This world is moving so blooming fast. All it can do is constantly respond to immediate pressures. You run away from this and you quarantine like a leper from that. The result is the focus on what's urgent. This world is always about, well, this is urgent. Oh, I've got to urgently respond to this text. I've got to urgently send an email. Oh, I've got to urgently do this. But is that really important? Because what's urgent is not necessarily important. That's the basics of time management. Sabbath and the feasts takes you back to simple biblical time management. Not to focus on what's urgent. Because you can't do anything on the Shabbat. You can't do those things. But you can do what's important. And then when you get back into the work week, you'll find that you'll work more efficiently and effectively than all of those that are constantly pretending everything's urgent because they haven't got the value of what is important. The only antidote to urgency is the importance of Yahusha. The only antidote to urgency is the importance of Yahusha. We celebrate the things that are important. We do not celebrate the things that are urgent. As believers, we accept there is only one Elohim and every human being is in his image. It means that every human being has a non-negotiable dignity. It means that human life is sacred. It means that we're all equal. And if the world is the free creation of the free Elohim, then by goodness, that means that we're all free. What a concept. 
I'm free. Unless I make an invisible contract. So be careful of the invisible contracts. Prayer is the renewable energy of our soul. And faith is really the homing beacon that brings it all in. Be holy, for I am holy. Don't be a leper to the commandments of Yahweh. Be healed, because Yahweh brings forth Yahusha, who brings forth healing from leprosy. And then we need to return to him, give him thanks by keeping his commandments. That is the real deal of Metzorah. That's all I've got for you. I kind of went long. I kind of was unburdening and unshackling myself somewhat. But I hope you enjoyed that portion. It's a, a phenomenal portion. Be holy, for I am holy. Oh, I'm Don't be a leper to the commandments of Yah. Blumen Henry, speaking to me, sounded like me. It was me. All right. Whew. Let's see if I still have you with me in the chat. Let me refresh the screen. And if you'd like to bring up something, please redline me in the trap in the trash. <laughs> redline me in the chat. Redline me in the chat. Let's see. Metzora Leper, Leviticus 14:1 through 15:33. And I will take a sip and you prepare yourselves. All right. Sevan, Shabbat Shalom. Sevan asks a very good question. If we are to lit to live, I believe you mean love our enemies, then why did the Israelites kill many of their enemies? Why were they allowed to make chattel slaves out the heathens around about them? Well, I think they killed many of those because they were Nephilim. They were giants in the land, and they were hybrids. And they were, um, that, that's what I believe, you know, women, children, the whole lot. Yahweh said, wipe them out. That, I think that was a consequence of Genesis 6. Okay, so um, think about that. There were giants. Roger Gates, Shabbat Shalom. Roger, walking on water follows believing Yahushua's promises. Baruch Hashem, hallelujah. Emissary of Elohim, Shabbat Shalom, favor is Chen. It's spelled Chet Nun, the tent wall that creates a separation for the life and seed. Oh, good one. Stick another one up there. I love it when you break down, people break down the, he the Hebrew. And uh, it's super, super fun. Ah, oh, Shabbat Shalom, Modesto, Gaza. I haven't seen you in a while. The priest's job is to structure the chaos of sin which is creation out of its true purpose, and to order the creation back into its intended purpose, meaning Baruch Hashem Yahuwah. Nice. And Emersri Elohim comes back with the Shin Bet Tao, eat in the house of Covenant Shabbat. Nice. 
Bobby Sue, Philippians 4, verse 4. Rejoice in Yahweh always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The master is near. Oh, I know. You know, I had um, somebody call me this week, and I picked up the phone, and I said, Hey, how goes the fight? And you know what his response was? He's like, Oh, I don't fight. I just accept and return. And I was like, Oh, what a comeback. That is so brilliant. He's like, yep, I don't fight anymore. I said, neither do I. Just accept and return. Teresa Smith, wow, this is exactly what I needed to hear. Yes, these bones can live with the breath of Yahuwah. Breath on me and thank you all. A big handy. Thank you, Baruch Hashem, Yahuwah. Baruch Hashem, Shabbat Shalom, Libby Tube, Matthew 9, verse 17. Neither do they put new wine into old wineskins, or else the wineskins burst, and the wine is spilled, and the wineskins are ruined. Both are put new wine into flesh wineskins, and both are preserved. There you go. Baruch Hashem Yahuwah. There you go. Much more truth. Shabbat Shalom. Much more truth. First John um, 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to cleanse us. Right? We accept. You have to accept that you're a sinner. And then return to the high priest for healing. All right. We have got... Um, Adriamis McDonald. It is a pleasure to be able to be finally joined live from the Bahamas. Shabbat Shalom. Can't wait to visit in person as new believers. Well, we look forward to getting to see you. And thank you for tuning in. Baruch Hashem Yahuwah. Ah, Shabbat Shalom. Roger and Bonnie in Nampa, Idaho. Thank you, brother, for boldly speaking forthrightly. Your teaching challenges my thinking, which is so refreshing. It challenges my thinking half the time, too. Thank you so much, Baruch Hashem from Nampa, Idaho. And yes, let's pray. Robert Gomez, Matthew, can you do a prayer for all of our friends and family members who are sick? Yes, let's pray together, brethren. Yahuwah, we do intercede. We do intercede for those that are suffering, those that are afflicted in the world. Father, we do intercede for our family members, whether they be near or far. We ask, Father, that you would touch their hearts, touch their souls, and other, if they are afflicted in body, that you would touch their bodies. Father, ultimately we ask that you would bring those that are unredeemed to redemption through the forgiveness and repentance of sins. Abba, we ask this and we pray as a congregation, as a community, that you would go forth just like you did before your servant Abraham has his banner, strength, and shield, that you are that for us all. And Abba, we pray that you would look upon us kindly through the blood and redemptive work of your Son who heals us from all sins and leprosy. Baruch Hashem, Yahuwah. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, I think 
Let's see. I think wow, that's all about we got. Live chat, top chat, not live chat. Am I missing anything? No. no? All right, good, 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 good. All right, here's a, we'll finish up here with um, Isaiah 5.20. The world is showing the fulfillment of Isaiah 5.20. They say that the, the non-GMO are leprous and unclean, but truly it's the other way round, for they have defiled themselves. And he's got a DNA helix there. Well, well, we know that, um, that that is so much so. What's up is down, what's black is white, and that that's, there's so much chaos out there that um, people don't realize and they can't discern the truth because of so much chaos. Shavuot, information on Shavuot coming out very soon. Please look at torahtothetribes.com forward slash connect and scroll down just a little bit to the feast and we will have our feast site up for Shavuot and of course we're preparing for the Sukkot at the end of the season. Play, stay, stay, um, stay connected with one another and Yahuwah bless you and keep you. Yahuwah's face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Yahuwah lift up his countenance upon you and grant you peace. In the name of Yahusha, the Prince of Peace. Yevarechacha Yahuwah vayishmarecha. Yeyer Yahuwah panavelecha vechonecha. Yesa Yahuwah panavelecha vayasim lecha. Lecha shalom. And Shabbat shalom. <laughs>